Right then, welcome or welcome back to the Midnight Podcast, where we have super in-depth, authentic, super transparent, open conversations with an array of different entrepreneurs from many different industries. I really want to make this a podcast known for going super in-depth on loads of topics that other podcasts are scared to speak about. I feel like most stuff out there these days is just super surface level, super vanilla, and doesn't really answer the questions that viewers and listeners want to hear. So that's what we're trying to do. Keep it real and keep it raw. I'm sure you'll get a huge amount of value listening or watching the pod wherever you are. And if you do, don't forget to subscribe, recommend it to a friend, leave a like and a comment and just let us know what you think. And yeah, really hope you enjoy this episode. Right then, fellas, another sponsor for the pod is probably something you're very familiar with if you're in the e-commerce space. It's certainly something I am. It's Wayflyer. Cashflow is the biggest killer of any fast-growing e-com brand, as I probably more than most know very fucking well. Go and watch episode one if you haven't already. Wayflyer is an e-commerce funding partner. Essentially, they can front you the cash for a month or so worth of sales. You need a minimum of six-month sales, a minimum of 20 grand a month, I believe, right now. If you've got a brand that you're super, super passionate about, you want to scale it quick, but cash is a problem, to invest in inventory, mainly, marketing, overheads, team costs, whatever it is, you can get funded in as little as two to three days. It's literally that quick. No bullshit bank loans, no personal guarantees. I've worked with them personally in the past, took a six-figure sum off them. Plenty of guys I know in my network and people that have been on the pod and run massively successful brands have also used them as a funding partner because everyone knows at scale, cash flow is the biggest killer, even if you are profitable. If you think this could be a fit, potentially you could be a fit for them, then go click the link below. Speak to the guys at Wayflyer. It's a referral link, so we get a little fee. You save a little bit as well. Support the pod, support your business. Cash is king, especially in this market. Let's fucking go. Right then, back with another episode of the Midnight Pod. I think episode 40, which is fucking mental. My dog is going crazy as usual. We've got David from 304, or Dave, or Dom, or <laughs> Jack, or something else that we're just saying. Big Man City fan, so he's probably in a good mood for the next the next week or so. Hung over. Um, and someone, again, that has been in my network for, well, been on my radar. I've never actually met, but we have like mutual friends, and probably, I've, I feel like I've followed you for like two, three years, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And, and Brad, who's sat over there my creator genius that does all the <laughs> shit for space and the pod now um, put us in touch originally but um, yeah I've been told that you've got an interesting story so better not disappoint no we'll um, not disappoint <laughs> yeah for sure I guess first question as always we'll dive into loads of shit because I'm already half a bottle of wine deep almost is what do you do who are you what's your background like how did it all start really and we'll kind of go like chronologically okay so I we started 304 which is the brand that I co-founded three of us 10 years ago. It's our 10th year now. Fucking hell. Um, back in Manchester, first year out of university. So myself and two friends that I used to play football with at Liverpool came out and were like, we need to start doing something. Let's move into a nice flat like this one in Manchester and find something like exciting to actually do. That's I studied architecture. My other two business partners, one was a physiotherapist and one was a, a, a doctor. So we were just like, we need to do something that's like outside the nine to five, essentially. And we just stumbled on making clothes. Um, and yeah, that was 10 years ago. I mean, a lot has I happened know, since. a long time. Yeah, yeah. Did you go to uni thinking you were going to not do what you did at uni? Because obviously to get like a degree like that, like, that's pretty like fucking high school. Like people would typically study that if they want to be an architect. Yeah, no, not at all. We literally, I think it all stemmed from the fact that 
the three of us were just young 20 year old lads that had nothing to do in the flat we had no money we were on straight out of university very poor wages like I don't know 20 grand or whatever yeah. a year and we are like we need some extra money Facebook had just started we were going to a festival I don't know if you've ever been to it Park Life yeah, yeah so know. we were like right we want to wear something that isn't top man hype I think Represent had just started so like there's a few yeah. like not Instagram brands because I hadn't started but a few brands that were popping up we like we need to wear something that's slightly different so we went to H&M, bought some vests. I was in the like the mindset still of I wanted to create. So I was at university. I used to love like making models in the architecture like sphere. So mm. I was cutting things out, this, that and the other. And we just like, right, Tumblr was the biggest social platform at the time. Yeah, fucking hell. Big, big, big. So like our name was Three or Four Revolution. So we were just finding like loads of pictures of American dudes with skateboards wearing vests slogan t-shirts and stuff and I found one that said revolution on it with love written backwards so I was like I need to just make that because I couldn't find it on the internet anywhere Yeah. so I bought a load of felt started cutting the letters out scalpel pen uh, knife and stuff ironing them on the t-shirts and um, yeah we made three vests and I mean it goes into the story of the brand then from here if you want to hear that as well yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, jump too far on, but fucking, there'd be loads of shit we're going to. But so you had like a, a proper grad job then, like mm-hmm. you all had proper grad jobs. Yeah, yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. So did you just hate the job, or was it more about money initially? Like you just needed one to make some extra money, and then you stumbled into like fuck, some maybe here. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. We all sort of there were our first jobs outside of university, so we didn't necessarily hate them. But I think we'd come home from work, we'd hit the gym, we'd go for a few beers, and we start talking about stuff that wasn't really architecture which to a physiotherapist was boring yeah massage and an eight-year-old lady and the nhs wasn't exciting to me and like we just we weren't talking about works we started talking about other things that could sort of make us money that we were in a really nice flat in altrincham in cheshire where we were like oh imagine being able to afford to buy this one day we ain't gonna afford it on 20 grand a year that we're doing like is there progression in it sean who's my business partner still he's in 304 he was seven years deep at uni so he was a PhD student he was actually doing quite well he had a good career he liked it whereas myself and Joe a little bit younger we were just like nah, I don't think this is for us really um, so yeah I, I, we didn't dislike the jobs but we just we stumbled into sort of what became 304 and sort of saw the the money coming in and the, the excitement of building a brand and the e-com burst or whatever you want to call it facebook instagram mm. 10 years ago and it just happened from there really so how long were you doing both until it went full-time then we'll, then we'll go back to like the start of the brand okay um just quickly a good three years we, we sort of call it like the apprenticeship years where for three years yeah we were all posting things on our lunch break we were doing yeah. things in the evening until two in the morning and all that sort of stuff it wasn't a brand. It wasn't a business. It was literally selling thing, uh, selling t-shirts. More like through, a hustle. Yeah, yeah. Selling yeah. things through Facebook shop, maybe two or three a day. It felt exciting. It was that the whole process of building the brand that we didn't know as a brand for maybe two, two and a half years, three years. And then it mm. started to snowball. And um, we were quite themed around like America. It was all like travel slogan, colorful items at the time. Sean, who was the PhD student, is still my business partner. He used to work for an American pharmaceutical company. So he used to go to America for three months a year. Me and Joe used to fly over 
for about six weeks our like summer holiday he'd pay for his company would pay for it all like he's quitting out as a man saying that they'd pay for it all yeah. all expenses paid we'd go around America Vegas LA traveling Route 66 and stuff and we were like touring the brand and I came back from it and I was like I think this is probably what I'd rather do than sit at a computer designing floor plans or door plans or yeah buildings or whatever it just I think that the penny dropped when we were in America and we're like this could actually be a way of life here or what we could do full time yeah fuck yeah I think Mad. everyone get, gets to that point yeah like wait a minute there could be something here yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. the excitement hits yeah fucking hell like Facebook ads and shit I remember running a Facebook ad in 2015 and like, like I probably didn't realise the opportunity there was at hand back then that was when I was in uni but yeah that was Mad. like the first time I thought fuck I don't want to I, don't, I didn't even finish uni but that's when I realised like there's actually scope to do, do some else and yeah. not finish uni and like not be homeless <laughs> like, and actually do it like viably yeah so going back to start the brand then yeah what was the story with that like was it on Shopify like how how scrappy was it I know you mentioned like three years of like <clears throat> kind of hustle before it was real but like just like a whistle stop tour of that early days period. so we <clears throat> we did we had a Facebook like we'll, I'll start with a uh, part life party so we all my friends came I lived in Manchester all my friends are from the Midlands all my you friends got a strange accent yeah it's like a mix of all three <laughs> Mank, Liverpool everything so <clears throat> my friends came down from Birmingham we had a Facebook group called 304 Party or 304 After Party and then um, we made all these vests we had an apartment we hung all these vests on the wall because we had no money for artwork the flat was empty went to part life came back a load of people came back with us had an after party next day we all wake up all the vests had gone off the wall and we were like we made them to wear on day two essentially like where yeah. the hell they all gone piled down to part life uh, day two walking around the festival obviously all my mates like 30 of us and stuff were having this party by the um, this like tree DJ area and we turned around and like these people walked past us wearing the vests and I was mm. like what the fucking hell's going on here walked over to them like where'd you get them vests from and they were like oh Facebook apartment 304 and I was like it's fucking my apartment they're my vests didn't didn't tell them at the time I was just like yeah. right fucking bit of a penny dropped I was like right okay taking it from 304 they obviously like the vest were they just random designs or Ran they say like 304 they, or no they didn't have 304 at the time so we didn't have a name for the brand at this point we were literally just yeah, making yeah. t-shirts and writing slogans on it so we had the original ones were like curls get girls very cheesy yeah. really like American funny quotes revolution she believed he lied like all the stuff you saw on tumblr like 10 yeah, years ago yeah. we were just sticking on a vest like angsty teenage shit yeah 100 so about two three weeks later all our friends in part life were like oh would you mind making me one of them vests that we saw that girl wearing that lad wearing we we're like okay fair enough so we were making these vests after work 20 quid 25 quid we we're driving to the trafford center buying all the vests these tri-blend vests from H&M yeah. buying the felt from Altrigan Market cutting all these letters out one by one stencil probably taking three hours a vest charging 25 quid and we're like so you're actually like stitching shit on you weren't just like screen printing no no screen we were literally buying rolls of felt creating individual letter stencils and physically cutting them out with a yeah. scalpel just because that was what I did at university I was like I quite enjoy yeah, still yeah. like getting involved like late yeah, at night proper arty shit yeah and um, we were probably making two or three a night, taking us six hours from like eight o'clock till two in the morning after hitting the gym and like just having a chat with the lads. And we're like, 75 quid, 
six hours, three of us, we're not really making any money here. Maybe yeah. we need to start. The demand was growing. It was like we were getting maybe three messages a week to then from friends being like there was five. And then friends were saying, actually, can you make me a vest that says this on it instead? So mm. like fully customised. And we were like, right, okay, maybe we need to make a website or Facebook store wasn't really... Oh, so how were you selling? Just Facebook store? Just Facebook, free oh, DM on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I think there was a Facebook shop at the time. Yeah. Um, so we were doing it through there and then we made a... I think it was Wix. I can't actually... Yeah, oh, it yeah, might yeah, have been Wix. Wix. I can't remember the first Classic. website was. Yeah, and then... You know someone now knows... No, no idea what they're doing when they use Wix. Yeah, yeah. Like nowadays. <laughs> Quick one, fellas, you probably heard a few months ago I dropped an e-com course, a very fucking guru of me, but it's not that, I promise you. Zero to one, how to start a brand from scratch with no budget, some budget, a bit of budget, take your idea from a bedroom to reality to potentially seven, eight figures in sales like I've done a few times based on my seven years of experience in the trenches and my current experience building my current brand, Space Goods. It's no bullshit, no frills. We've had like 75 people go through so far. Not a single person has asked for a refund. Plenty of people have actually built some seriously impressive shit. Covers every aspect of the business, not just the front end stuff like most gurus on YouTube and Twitter are talking about, not just product marketing, all that shit, but the real shit, the logistics, the back end, the supply chain, the customer service, the finances as well. This covers the whole spectrum, every part, 12 hours of video. If you're interested in scaling a brand, zero to one, actually turning our idea finally into a reality, then click the link below, go check out Learn Real Commerce course and let me know what you think. I'd be glad to have you in there. Let's fucking go. Um... So we made a website and we were like, right, okay, this is going on a little bit further now, but we waited three days for our first sale once we'd spent all this time building the website on Wix or whatever else it was. And when it finally came through, we were like, fucking yes, like the first ever sale, absolutely buzzing, 25 quid for a vest. Three hours later, we're still making it thinking it's probably cost us 40 quid to make this thing, but we were just buzzing with like actually making something and selling it. And that was probably yeah six months into the brand I still call it a brand we didn't have a brand name at that point it was still just three or four we called it Revolution the apartment we lived in was called was number 304 so I was going to say where did that come from yeah well that was it the the apartment number was 304 so um, one of the founders who's not involved anymore he 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 set the Facebook group up called it 304 Mm. after party part life and sort of 304 just it just looked a nice number it sounded good it rolled off the tongue and stuff so we were like right we'll call it 304 the first ever vest said revolution and inside revolution it says love backwards so we like highlighted like the love area in the in the slogan and we stuck with that for probably three years before we moved to Magento when things were starting to yeah heat up I'd say like and then now we're on Shopify yeah so three years in that like hustle trenches like part time stage yeah was there like a specific point fucking hell my slack's going off was there a specific (laughs) point when you decided and like and I guess why like you decided fuck we need to go full time do this properly was it just becoming too much? Or yeah. Or like the potential for it to be way bigger? Yeah, I think all of it. I think there was the potential for the brand was grown. We could like see every week we were going from whether it be like two sales to three, three to four to five. We could see the physical numbers being like, hold on, the demand's growing. But then also on a personal level for me, I went full-time first out of the three of us. I actually, I'm a massive Man City fan. I yeah. study architecture. I actually got seconded to work for Man City for 12 months and like, redeveloped the inside of the stadium some of the bars oh, shit. so I did that for 12 months then I went away 
to America with the lads for six weeks, did Route 66, Vegas, LA and stuff. And I came back and I was like, I don't want to go back to work. And I was like, if, I, if I'm not excited to go back to work for Man City, who at the time I had no misses, I had no nothing. That was my like baby. That's what, what mm. I loved the most. If I don't love my work, then I've got something else here that could potentially become what I love. So I remember speaking to my dad and I was just like, look, if I spent three years doing university. I'm working for Man City. This should be on paper, my dream job. Yeah. I'm not loving it. Should I give three or four a go? And my dad was like, yeah, just just give it a go. What's the worst that can happen? You can, you've got your degree now. If you do want to go back into architecture, I was only, what was I then? 23. You can go back and get another job. Like your 20s are to... yeah mess around and see what you can do anyway so and how about the other two guys were they the same age in like similar situation so Joe at the time who he's, he's left three or four and I left about five years ago he was a physiotherapist a year younger than me um, he he ended up meeting a girl in America when we were doing these trips and sort of decided that he wanted to move to America and be with her so he exited the brand and was like look you guys carry on you've, you've built it you're doing all the work I want to go and build my life in America. So he left, didn't really want to carry on the entrepreneurial side of it. So he left, that was six years ago now, five or six years ago. Sean, four years older than me. So he's 37, 36 now. He'd done seven years at university. So that's where I met him in Liverpool Uni. He was a bit more, not skeptical about going full time, but he, mm. he had a lot more on the line in terms of a career and a job and money and stuff. So he massively helped fund the brand in the early years because obviously I went full-time on the brand and was earning nothing, essentially. Yeah. He was funding me to try and push, push the brand on. Mm. So when I moved to London, jumping all over the timeline, yeah, yeah. so I moved to London four years ago, uh, no, five years ago, sorry. I said to Sean, like, I'm going to move to London, try and push the brand on a bit but you need to come into the business full-time within like 12 months. So did you move to London when, when you went full-time? Like, just, you know, fucking take me to the next level? No, no. What so, was the crap with that? <laughs> I, I went full-time with the brands when we still lived in Manchester for about 12 months. And then it got to the point where I still live with Joe, Sean. Joe wanted to move back home to the Midlands to save money to move to America. So we were like, right, we're going to, the three of us are going to break up here. Um, so what do we do? Me and Sean either stayed together because I was earning no money through three or four. Mm. I moved back in with my dad in Cheshire. So I lived with my dad for probably, this was like my mid-twenties to give it a good go. So Sean was obviously subsidising me in terms of a wage, yeah. 800 pounds a month. But I was also living at my dad's for 12 months. And then the brand was still growing at this point. So then I was like, right, I think we need to try and push the brand on now. I can't just live in my dad's house in Cheshire. Yeah. Let's move to London. All my friends had migrated down from Liverpool and Manchester to London. So my network was down here. So I was like, right, I'm going to meet a load of people and the brand will push on. So that was probably year five. I moved down here to try and progress the brand. Yeah. I'm sorry, jumping all over yeah, the time. It's, it's quite hard trying to think of the 10 years, to be honest. Yeah, with you. definitely. Nuts. So essentially five years in there's two of you you come down to London like as a business at this point yeah how did it look obviously I, I imagine you're working remotely like yeah you're still making everything by hand like you're no. on Magento now or Shopify or what 
when we moved to when I moved to London, we moved from Magento to Shopify, which was obviously the best decision we ever yeah, made yeah. in terms of an e-com brand. I never even went on Magento to be fair. It was horrendous. I heard like, about it. Sean, who my business partner is now, his best friend from school is a web developer. He was building websites for people at like Aston Villa and like big, big companies. Mm. And just through that network, he was like, I'll build your website. It happens to be Magento. So it wasn't through us doing any research. He yeah. just said, I'll build your website. It happens to be on Magento. We couldn't do anything with it. It was, it did the job. But as soon as one of my good friends was the sort of, um, I can't remember what his job title was now, but he's worked at Gymshark. He was, at, I think, 10. He was the 10th person through the door. So he was, he managed their website and was like, look, mate, you need to be on Shopify essentially. So he convinced me when I moved to London, get yourself on Shopify. And yeah. That was the best decision ever. We weren't making anything by hand at that point. We'd fully gone from sort of the bedroom brand process view to yeah. being the, what at the time was like, it was very like lad brandy. Yeah. Foot Asylum. Six Silk, Jim King, yeah, all them. Six Silk Classic. Yeah, we went. They're still they're still going, aren't they? They're, they're, they're still. Yeah. I'm sure they're still doing really, really well yeah. in like that sphere. But we sort of, it's another topic to get onto. But we, we got sort of led in certain directions that maybe deviated from the brand's values and missions mm. that maybe we didn't even know early on that were our brand's missions and values. Into these areas that we went into for a couple of years at a time and and sort of made the brand sorry the brand pause and not develop as quickly as it should have because yeah. we got we just got led by other people before oh, we should be doing this this is doing well at the moment and at that period when I went to London we were really focusing on right Foot Asylum JD ASOS this is mm. these brands are smashing it these yeah, lad brands yeah, I know what you mean lad brands are definitely that's a good way to put it they are they, they yeah. were lad brands there's nothing against them there's so many that are still doing really sick now that yeah, have yeah. been on ASOS and sold into Foot Asylum JD and smashed it but we sort of saw their, their success and thought oh maybe we should be doing this when really the brand's USP was that we were different we were a unisex brand 10 years ago which now was, oh really we, yeah we were we well, all, like every product every product's always been unisex other than now obviously we have women's active wear which yeah. is women's it's, it's not men can wear it if they want but it is women's product yeah, yeah. we started as a, a brand that was meant to be the whole tagline behind it was the girlfriend steals the boyfriend's sweater which used to happen in like American college that, yeah, was, yeah. that was the brand that whole culture um, and it's still that to, today like everything we ever shoot whether it be a men's t-shirt that's designed as a man's t-shirt it's shot on a girl it's shot on a boy oh interesting yeah I noticed that and I didn't think that was like intentional or like no yeah it's from, that. yeah from the from the from the, from the get-go really like the brand yeah. that does it best now is collusion i'd say on asos which is oh, their, yeah. their own brand it, it, it's massive but it was unintentional at the start we were just like right we're making t-shirts for we were three lads that wanted to make clothes for ourselves but they were quite feminine in some ways mm. that they were quite cheesy it was again we started slightly before misguided who oh, came yeah. through as the slogan brand when they first started yeah by no means they're a million times bigger than three or four but we were sort of floating around when they started and yeah 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 Mad. it's interesting that you've done this for 10 years right because fucking it's a long time firstly but I, I like all my mates I feel like and I always come across people that are like fucking focused on one thing for, for so long like I'm the exact opposite of that I've freaking dotted around a billion different things and that's probably why I've never like got to the level I want to get to yet, but hopefully yeah. with this one I will. 
but like did did you even it, so, it sounds like correct me if I'm wrong but like you started it because you were fucking interested in making shit yeah and then it gradually like became a business rather than you know maybe more people nowadays and maybe myself to an extent but like like you know e-commerce like online business has become like almost like a buzzword now like particularly like 2022 like post-covid whereas people will be like I want to start a business rather yeah. than I have a passion I'm good at something and then it becomes a business do you know what I mean yeah, but yeah. I guess to be fair like that, that's, that's not true about me like I start I got into e-com because I like designing logos originally and then I was yeah, like yeah. Fuck, how do I monetize designing shit so similar but different but like do you think that is the case? Like you just wanted to make shit and then it gradually became, you sort of figured out yeah. how to actually monetize it. Yeah, 100%. Obviously it didn't happen overnight because no. 10 years is a long time. <laughs> it's a long but, time. 100%. But literally we, for my course, if anyone's ever studied architecture, it's you work late night, it's constantly like designing on computers or cutting things out and this, that and the other day. Mm. When I finished the three years and I'd, I had a group of seven lads that we had our own building at the University of Liverpool where we'd sleep there, we'd drink there, we'd go to the gym and shower. And like, it was such like a group, like a little bit of a, like a family, like of these lads that when I went into living with Sean and Joe, if nine to five, come home, go to the gym, go to sleep, it mm. felt different to what I would done for three years. So like when we came home from hitting the gym or whatever at like eight o'clock, I couldn't just sit there and watch TV. We were like, well, should we, or even if it was just me, I don't know. I don't, I can't really remember the ins and outs of it, but I just, I remember being sat on Tumblr on my phone being like, I need to keep looking at stuff that I used to look at when I was at university, whether yeah. it be clothes or just design or good quotes. I used to really pride myself on how sick my Tumblr page looked like all these yeah, quotes yeah. and stuff like. Tumblr boys. And yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. And then I was like, fucking hell, I need to make it into clothes. I don't know why it was clothes, I really I can't answer that question but just needed to make carry on making stuff and then it it just went from there like it was never meant to be a business it was never meant to be a brand it was just meant to be something that kept the three of us busy mm. started making a little bit of money then we're like well for making money I don't want to be busy and losing money we might as well try and figure out how to actually make money yeah and then it was like gone from that custom to being manufactured to selling into stores and then the e-com Shopify and it just you know what it's like yeah, yeah someone tells you you need to get onto this to do the next step to start making more money or yeah build the brand further so on that then at what point did you start outsourcing the manufacturing firstly as in not making it by hand but then also like running paid ads to acquire customers because <clears throat> like obviously they were like the golden days on like Facebook yeah. ads and shit like five six years ago was it before that or was it around that sort of time? Yeah, no, we, we outsourced. Well, it went from customising our own clothes to then just buying blanks from American Apparel, printing yeah. them in a print shop in the Northern Quarter in Manchester. So I'd buy the blanks, deliver them to work, drive them to Manchester, print them, drive them back home, package them, ship them within like a 48-hour period. Yeah. We did Manchester Fashion Week, which was the most budget fashion week thing you've ever seen ever. There was like five brands on there I think it cost us 250 quid they did a catwalk and like to be honest with you it was very very budget yeah. very poor looking back at it but we got introduced to a, a guy called Phil Pierce who owned a brand called AKA Clothing who at the time were doing two three million on ASOS they were like a very like gothic really long line t-shirt mm. skinny jeans very in at the time I, think I feel like I recognise that name maybe it was very all saintsy it was yeah. it was mega like jewels a big 
fashion yeah. agent in London used to sell it and stuff. But anyway, he he took a massive shine to the three of us and was like, look, you boys have got a pretty cool brand. It's called 304. I like it. It could be American. I'll help you out. And just he just took a massive shine to us, like you said earlier, like a bit of a mentor. Mm. We used to go around to his house once a week in, in uh, Manchester and he'd just tell us all these stories about how things that he went through that went wrong, went right, what we should avoid, what we should do, but in a good way. And he's like, look, I'll put you in touch with my manufacturers in Turkey. Yeah. You need to start making t-shirts for not 25 pounds. You need to start making them for six quid, five quid, four quid, mm. because there's a big difference here. Yeah, yeah. So he put us in touch. And at that point, I I then quit my day job Yeah, and started trying to figure out how you make clothes but I had no interest in clothes. I had no interest in fabrics or anything, like being honest. I mm. I didn't really care the weight of t-shirts, the quality of the hoodies. I just, I liked how it looked. So the actual like ad asset of how it looked on a person is what I cared about most yeah. from my degree. Like I, you need to make sure this building looks sick on the wall. The detail wasn't something that I really cared about. So for like two years, we were manufacturing clothes that were absolutely dreadful horrendous like an extra small would be an extra yeah. large the yeah. stitching was red on a white t-shirt I didn't really care and yeah probably for a good two years we sort of learned that process of someone needs to care how these clothes are because we're selling to our customers and the clothes need to be good it doesn't just need to look good on a picture on the website what actually makes a yeah. brand good is the quality of the product so for two years I didn't have that sort of attention to it but after two years I quickly realised that someone needs to understand to make a good product and then YouTube everything else you learn everything online don't you yeah I actually had a clothing brand I mean I've probably spoken about it a bit on the pod yeah. for like fucking nine months when I first dropped out of uni yeah how did it. you find it I mean I was never I, I, I my conclusion on that was it was with Ollie he was now an investor in my brand and it was on the pod like we were in uni, like he was a year below me. Had a fucking office, a Regis office for 300 quid a month in right. Newcastle. Stopped going to uni at this point. So we started drop shipping jeans, yeah. ripped jeans during the Geordie Shaw, right. like boom. Yeah, That's yeah. Like, that was my first like ever like, okay. successful e-com thing. And then we actually like started making our own shit and like, we had it in, in James and James Warehouse actually, the same one I'm using now. But it was called Dusk. But I just, I wasn't into fashion enough. Yeah, yeah. I still wouldn't say I'm like that mad into fashion like yeah. I fucking I don't buy designer shit like I don't know I think that's I think that's that's probably the problem well or that's probably part of my problem as well that the brand's probably never gone huge like some of the other massive brands whether it be represent or whoever else that I wear quite plain clothes I'm not that yeah. fashion forward in really loving the detail of the clothes I just I wear comfortable clothes we make comfortable clothes as a brand and that's that's as far as it goes really like we are a brand that makes hoodies t-shirts joggers and that's that's it the quality's great the designs are good but it's not like a, a real fashion forward brand where yeah. it's like you need to get into the details of I see the like that I just mentioned there like represents the brand that I really like or Kiss. yeah I, I wear a lot of represent these represent the quality's sure. amazing the detail's really really good and the price comes with it our price yeah. is a lot cheaper than that so yeah fashion's an interesting one from the outside looking in yeah like I think that there's quite a lot of snobbery in like more expensive fashion brands in there. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't really know anyone like running those sort of brands, but I, I know a few clothing guys that have been on. It's like, there's, yeah, 
there's potentially massive scale there because I feel like it's probably the most competitive market in e-com arguably like, could well be yeah maybe that and jewellery maybe recently but yeah it's interesting because it's a yeah, tough it's for a me tough. it was just I mean it was like a first like foray into like proper like e-com branding and shit and it was fucking I was like 21 at the time didn't know what the fuck I was doing but yeah it's mad because like I always think if I'd stuck with that what could that have been why did you been off me and my mate fell out and like just sort of fizzled out. We were like, fuck, we don't know what we're doing. And, like, <laughs> it, was, it was too soon. I want, I want to go traveling, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then, but it, it like, we were making like Sherpa jackets. Yeah. Like yeah, Fear yeah. of God ripoffs. Was it D-U-S-K? Yeah. So I feel like I can remember it from, how many years ago was it? Like 2016, 17. Yeah. We did like okay scale. We probably did like 200 grand in like nine months while I was at uni. I was like, I was like, that's all right. Yeah, you know, I, I honestly feel like I can picture it. So if you show me after, like, yeah, you know, I think I can. It's still it. sat there with like an, an Instagram post from like 2017. <laughs> I've had so many of those where they just well, that was like the first like relatively serious one. Like, did decent numbers. Yeah, like given how young we were, but yeah, it was just one of those things in it, and then yeah. didn't stick with it. But you live and learn. If yeah, I can move on to the next one. So like paid media, then like actually scaling the business that way. Like, when did that? firstly like cross your mind and like become a thing like how were you getting sales before obviously it was pretty casual to begin with yeah we but when you went full-time i imagine that we had some success with with like unpaid influencers i'd say like early doors where i was quite big well we started instagram when instagram started so we had a couple of people that were really quick to being big on instagram so we had one of the One Direction lads' girlfriend. Oh, really? No, not him. Oh, right. <laughs> His missus. Is it Harry or no? No, no. It was uh, Liam's missus at the time. So yeah. she was constantly wearing three or four on X Factor. Right. Just like, like organically? Organically. We, I think she bought a few. And then when they started, the tags coming through, and we were like waking up in the morning with like 20 sales or 30 sales, whatever it was. We were like, mm. this has got to have come from this girl who was called Danielle Pisa at the time. Yeah this has got to come through her. So we started messaging them kind of people via email, being like, look, we can now send you a couple of vests. Would you wear it on the X Factor? Would you post about it? Not understanding the, the strength of influencer marketing at the time, as much as maybe we should have. And then a couple of other people, some Australian DJs, some big made in Chelsea stars, like really early started posting. Mm. And we were getting f- for free, 50 sales off a free Instagram post and yeah. like, this is actually mental like this is brilliant when was this like 2014 13 yeah it must have been around there I still lived in Manchester so yeah maybe like 2013 2014 mm. and it was mad we were going to bed with one sale waking up with 35 40 sales off one Instagram post in America yeah. and we're like this is we, that's three weeks worth of cutting out our letters like yeah, what the yeah. fuck are we going to do and then I don't think we started running paid ads until I moved to London, to be honest with you. We maybe have been slightly late to it because we we didn't really see it as a brand still. We, albeit we were selling okay numbers. We were doing whether it be 300 quid a week or then 3,000 pound a week. We were we never really still thought this is going to be a, a massive business or mm. a brand. Until I moved to London, then we're like, we need to we need to give this a real kick up the arse. And that's when you went full time. That's when I went full time and started, I then started doing Facebook paid ads, self-taught, giving it a go. And it started to sort of grow and started to do quite well, which I then eventually passed on to when Sean came into the business, passed on to him. 
a lot mm. better with numbers, a lot better with data than I am. And I then went back to being like the creative side of things, designing the clothes, the marketing, and he did the paid ads and he's done them ever since. And yeah, you know yourself, it, the paid marketing sphere now is changes daily, but back then it was yeah. fruitful. Did that take the business to like the next level then, do you think? It was the bump up that you'd need in a business. It went from like, I've heard a few people on the podcast where maybe it went from 300 quid a day to whether it be three or 300 quid a week, sorry, when we were like thinking, where can this go? To then 3,000 quid a week, them sort of like incremental bumps, putting the money in, saw you go to them next steps. And yeah, since then, we've never really looked back really. Now, paid spend is a lot more you have to think about where you're going to spend it back then it was just stick it in Facebook yeah and you're going to any ad on Facebook would get you like fucking one pound CPA yeah yeah nuts absolutely nuts not the same anymore but yeah that's life and it? it's business things change it's, yeah it's always a case of looking back it's like oh if I'd known what I know now do you know what I mean like you'd be a fucking billionaire or whatever but mm. everything's it, changed yeah if I if I knew how successful influencer marketing when we started was yeah because obviously, like I said before, we live in the Midlands by Gymshark, who's probably the biggest influencer marketing brand there's ever been. Yeah. I wish we took our like intuition at the time and thought, fucking hell, we're actually onto something with these influencers, giving them yeah. something for free and getting 50 sales. I wish we'd double down on it back then, but that's life. We could have been a lot bigger than yeah. we are. But I never had a success with influencer marketing like across the board ever. Like the biggest like well biggest loss on that I did a thing with Jay Alvarez you know that fucking yeah, he's yeah. like a Tumblr guy kind yeah, of, yeah. but like spent like 40 grand on that when I was running Midnight City like three years ago and it just brought in nothing nothing and I was like well, not nothing but like not I mean it probably traffic. technically did but nothing noticeable I was there thinking it's going to bring in 300 grand in sales like, what brand was that? Um, my jewelry business Midnight City right yeah. okay this was like would have been September 2019 around then so like nearly three years ago but fucking hell that was a big point I was 23 at the time and being on the phone to his manager thinking oh yeah he was a cool kid as well wire the funds (laughs) and like yeah it was it was bad but um just didn't work too well for me but um we went through a stage of like paying influencers like when we were in the lad brand era of being like with me thousand pound a post or 1500 quid a post yeah I did a lot of that as well and it worked really well like I remember doing I went not afraid to say we paid Alex Bowen 1500 quid for a post on yeah one, I did a few then on yeah. one Black Friday and we are like it returned about 25 grand and you were like fuck me this is absolutely if you got that return on Facebook you'd be absolutely buzzing off yeah, one hoodie geez. the next year you use the same guy on the same day at the same time no traffic it's changed like, it? there's so many brands like what's another one when I was in Newcastle Hera London were massive yeah, they yeah. were massive in that sort of space huge it was like all influencer marketing I just I mean I think it's just changed, doesn't it? Like the whole game changes, it evolves. Yeah. I just don't think you could do that, like pay people for posts now. No. Like influencer marketing now, I think it's more like either long-term sponsorships or it's like TikTok stuff where something might go viral. Do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. It's I, not Instagram posts. Like the algorithm's fucked. Like Instagram just doesn't get reach anymore no, not like, at, at all. all. It, it, it's a shame. Like, even compared to two years ago. Yeah, massively. It's it is a, is a shame because like you, you build your brands up to have the, all these followers and this community but yeah, yeah. without an email database or a text database or an app yeah, your social media doesn't really hit who it should be hitting and it's the same for influencers I'm sure, they're, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're, they're gutted as well that some of these influencers have spent years building up their following and 
they'll post when it reaches 3%, 5% yeah, or whatever. You, you must be gutted as an influencer thinking. I actually tweeted about this the other day. I think it's quite an interesting point because obviously I launched this brand six weeks ago, which is like roughly two years since I started scaling up Neon Beach. Yeah. And like this has got 3,000 followers, right, from ads in six weeks probably slightly like similar ad spend I'd say in the first six weeks but I remember Neon Beach hit like literally I remember th- must have been 30k plus followers from ads in the first month like and it was people were accusing me of buying fake followers and I spent <laughs> my life and never bought a fake follower it went zero to 500k in like six months wow it was fucking mad like the algorithm yeah yeah it just it, it isn't possible now no so now I view like Instagram followers at least for this brand given it's so new it's like almost like a vanity metric yeah yeah like it's just not reflective of like website traffic sales whatever but I think just, people know that as well that the like, game has changed it used to be like I remember when we used to pitch to people like ASOS and Nordstrom and these kind of like wholesalers they were like watch your social media following yeah I'm pretty sure they don't ask yeah. that anymore because it, it doesn't really matter you see brands now with a thousand followers that are fucking sick literally like, it, their product's brilliant cult following it doesn't really matter we've We've got quite a few followers across all our platforms, but some of the platforms are with our most followers are the probably the worst performing ones because they're so old now. Mm. Being around for ten years, you, you get Facebook pages with ten million likes and it gets like two likes. On yeah, the yeah. I mean, so that's I, it. I can't even get my head around that, but it's just everything moves on. There's like a timeline. In it. Like Facebook was it, then it was yeah. Instagram. Now it's obviously TikTok, but then you start to think like, what's next? Yeah, yeah. Who's what? coming out with the next TikTok? And how, how do I spot it five years ahead? Because that's how you can fucking cash in. Just on, you mentioned Gymshark. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm getting pretty philosophical before we've even gone into a lot of stuff. But um, do you think, like, because I, I speak about this with my, with my mates and stuff, and obviously, like, Gymshark's an easy example because massive UK brand, like, fucking textbook, like, zero to whatever. Like, would you even want to run a business that big? No. Was that ever a goal? No. I no because I feel like everyone uses that as an example oh I want to fucking build the next Gymshark but do you actually or do you want to build a lifestyle brand not that yours is a lifestyle brand but like a lifestyle business yeah yeah which I think probably more people would be happier doing do you know what I mean like yeah. something that they can make a great amount of money doing something they love you know have location time creative freedom whatever that looks like for them that's yeah. probably more 100% more fulfilling for most people yeah than I, actually trying to build like you know a unicorn I bet you if you ask someone like Ben Francis or everyone else involved in Gymshark, do you need the money? He's worth 990 million now. Yeah. You don't need that much money really. But he's obviously got a mission to build that brand into something really big, which is fair enough. But for three or four, uh, when we first started the brand, it was always my friends coming up from Birmingham, Joe's friends coming up, just having a laugh. Like you've got your mates down here, like a community of people that are all sort of wanting a good time, enjoying yourself, at the same time, making a bit of money. It was never like, oh, we want to be super millionaires or anything like that, because if that happens, fantastic, but your way of life is the most important thing. And that was, still is to today, like what we want the most from it. So yeah, it, it, don't get me wrong, I would never turn around and say, I don't want a billion dollar brand, but yeah. I would not want the headaches that come with it, knowing the headaches that I get at our scale, what, a brand that size must be going through not for me I don't think what would you want it yeah it's interesting because I know you replied to my tweet like 
yeah. maybe a few weeks ago and I, I was probably just fucking in the gym when I get like overexcited and start, I always yeah, do that yeah. by the way <laughs> fucking, I'll go for like a run get a massive like runner's high yeah. and then like tweet some philosophical shit because my mind just has these ideas and I'm just way too public about my thoughts but uh, honestly I mean I, I would sway towards I want to build a billion pound brand and I, I, it's not even about the money I promise you it's not because what is it then? it's just like the desire to fucking have an impact and I don't know where that comes from maybe it you comes have from an like, impact at a smaller scale to less people if you had if you had a brand that was tiny whether it be like gifting clothes to homeless people and yeah. you impacted homeless people that's an impact so if it's a what what's the it's an interesting debate yeah um, if it's not the money then what, what level I, I do want to fucking get filthy rich like who doesn't I mean <laughs> yeah. I'm just honest enough to say yeah, that because yeah, yeah. I want to fucking buy like a Cullinan and a fucking Bugatti but 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 even that like I fucking had a little taste of that and like money is more about freedom than fucking money itself but yeah I don't know like I feel like if, if you want to fucking I think there's like a, a a bit of a problem into like in like UK culture and like UK society or whatever where people obviously like tall poppy syndrome and people like hate on Mm-hmm. on like wealth or success whereas in America like culturally it's kind of different but I've always thought like ultimately if you build a massive thing and and potentially make a lot of money as a founder you've had a as long as it's not like fucking dodgy business like Jeff Bezos for example mm-hmm. has made more millionaires and like given employment to hundreds of thousands maybe millions of people yeah through what he's built and like yeah. if you want to have a big a big impact you need I guess like two things by building a bigger business, mm-hmm. you can physically impact more people because more people see your product, buy it, potentially love it, whatever. But also, like, you need money and capital and resource and ultimately, like, a solid a solid business to fucking be able to scale it, to, like, reach those people. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I, I've always been very aware that, like, I'm, like, a creative at heart and it sounds like you kind of are as well. Like, I was never, like, a businessman. Yeah. That, like, I was always just, like, fucking, like, designing logos and then gradually sort of going to e-com and then whatever. Now I'm like fucking selling mushrooms online. <laughs> but for me, it was like, I always was very aware that I didn't want to be like the starving artist, like yeah, so yeah. to speak. Like I don't want to be someone that's just like a creative but can never fucking monetize my passion. Yeah. And and that's why I'm willing to go through and, and you'll be the same. Like there's a lot of fucking bullshit that comes with, like people will look at like, oh, you got your own brand, it's so sick. But like, yeah, you have to deal with like fucking supply chain bullshit customer service finances like mm-hmm. that's all I've been doing today it's like nothing creative at all yeah but I'd rather do that and be able to put myself in a position so I can actually build something that I'm passionate about even if 90% of it's kind of shit yeah well, not shit but like not as fun um, I'm going on a tangent but no I know what you're saying though because I had a similar conversation with someone the other day like if you're at the sharp end at the top of a business where like you own your own business or yeah. you've got a team of people you end up doing a lot of the stuff that you never set out to do, which 100%. is the position I'm in at the moment where we, we've got a team of like 10 and I always talking about the fulfillment. We've got probably like four or five people that fulfill our orders in our warehouse. Then we've got a couple of people that do like the finance and the marketing and things. But mm. the, the day to day without sounding annoying, like the bullshit that comes with you, with you, like the supply chain, whether it be mispayments or, like you said earlier, like taking something four weeks to get to a certain country, it doesn't go to the staff. It always ends up coming to the top. You're like, yeah. I didn't start 10 years ago cutting out letters in my apartment for a freedom way of life to be sat at my desk for 
nine hours talking to suppliers or FedEx or DPD or yeah, so true. someone in China about why this T-shirt's two centimetres too short or the fabric's 10 grams too light. That's not why you started the brand for. So then when I, I know what you're saying about would you want to build a unicorn business? Those problems, I can imagine, just from my perspective, being on a completely different scale. Like I know a few people, obviously, being around Gymshark and some of the big brands that if you get, sometimes maybe we'll get, I don't know, 300 hoodies delivered that are wrong. We send them back. It's worth quite a lot of money. But if you get delivered, it's worth 3 million a Black Friday delivery at someone of the scale of Gymshark and it's wrong. How would you sleep knowing, shit, I've got three million pounds I've got paid for to ship back? That That's what worries me the most mm. is like those numbers get bigger and bigger and bigger. And at the bigger scale, they stop being just a number on the screen. They get more stressful for me, I think, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right then, fellas, quick one. First official sponsor for the Midnight Pod, Triple Whale. If you want to track your econ metrics properly, all your KPIs, all your dashboards, all your blended ROAS, all that good shit in an easy-to-understand dashboard, as well as proper post-iOS 14 pixel tracking. Know your real numbers, because I didn't in the past, and I got it very wrong. Know where to spend more money, know where to spend less money, all the shit that's going to drive your brand forward. It's what I use every day in my new brands, in the past brands. It's what all the guys on the pod running super successful businesses use as well, and it's what you should be using. TripleWhale.com. Go click the link below, check it out, and use my link. Support the fucking pod. Let's go, boys. Right, halfway break. Um, left it way too late. Um, what was I saying about billion pound brand? That's definitely a good point. Um, I suppose, I, I, th- I guess just to bring it back, and then we'll get back into like the nitty gritty, because this is way too philosophical for halfway in, um, compared to what we normally talk about. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what it is in summary. Like, maybe I'm probably full of shit because I've never fucking I've not built a billion pound brand I've not even got close yeah. but maybe it's just to prove to myself that I'm not a worthless piece of shit like because <laughs> I thought I was like a fucking genius like two years ago when I was running two brands and like scaling the shit out of them and then life humbled me so maybe it's just like fucking I don't know what uh, made you want to go from where you were two years ago when you had those brands both doing good like very good to go into want more was it that chase of you wanting the billion dollar brand or was it always wanting something else or I think well probably two parts to that like firstly ever since I was like 12 years old I was like I don't know I just had this thing in me I was like I've got to fucking do something big I, I don't know what the fuck it was like but then I guess since that it's like until I get until I surpass the numbers I was doing two years ago mm. at least like revenue wise and shit I feel like a fucking subpar human but you can like, see that and you're like running Twitter you're always trying to beat what you've done before yeah there's something in that, that that I was I think I was similar in some ways until maybe two years ago where constantly thinking shit I need to bench higher or I need to yeah. run faster or I need to do this until I got to a point where it was like actually there's actually never a point where you get to other than just yeah. I can't get any higher you're not getting any happier or you're not getting any more successful yeah, unless, you, unless, you, unless you do get to the billion dollar brand or you get to that point where you set your target of 100 million 500 million or three minute yeah, miles or I, know, whatever. I, I, know, I know we I know what you mean like yeah, I don't know like it's good to set goals though it's, when I was younger it was rowing like I was like an elite athlete when I was like 16 and like I, I guess my identity was always like, I want to be a high performer and shit and like yeah. in school I was really good and it's fucking easy to be good in school and the bar's pretty low but 
and then yeah I guess like did pretty well in my early 20s and stuff and, and then that gives you confidence and then when I fucking had my confidence knocked as I fucking spoke about a billion times so I won't go too deep into that but then it's like I've got to fucking go to the next level mm-hmm. and then I suppose recently yeah like the whole fitness thing running which started just becoming a bit obsessed with really because I think I like that because it's like it's like more it's more obvious when it's like it's 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 quicker to see results in that than it is in like a business yeah, yeah. because it's fucking physical and it's like I, I'm either pushing myself or I'm not yeah yeah and I've always been very very good at pushing myself physically like I, I fell out of love with like cardio for like three years which is why fucking looking back at like early pods I was a fat cunt I wasn't actually a fat cunt but I was like two stone heavier <laughs> yeah, yeah like my face looked like shit yeah like, no, I'm definitely I, better looking now yeah mate fucking just like chopped, chopped the weight off the face mate um, I, I, I 100% understand what you're saying that when through COVID when it first happened back March mm. myself and a lad at three or four my best mate John we went on like a fitness diet like Brad said earlier that went from 85 kilograms down to 74 and it was like yeah. a every week we were like right you need to decrease the calories and it yeah, was like yeah. regimented and something about that I think from the entrepreneurial side of things is like if you know, if you have a target that you need to keep hitting that's slightly better or slightly less in that sense yeah you feel that sort of buzz about it and like that massively kept us going through covid and yeah like you said about the running like you yeah because i i just i was I was still going to the gym like i've always gone to the gym but like i, I didn't have any like physical challenge and like yeah. i spent years like rowing as a, like a teenager and shit i was like obsessed with it and, and like you say because you can see results pretty quick like with physical training like if you train yeah. you know in a week you can see you're getting quicker fitter whatever it is I suppose in like, obviously in, in like business, you know, it's never quite as linear. There's ups and downs that like you yeah. might be looking at results more on like a monthly, quarterly, even yearly basis. But then I actually read David Goggins book like two months ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Can't Hurt Me. And I, I'm not a fucking David like reading. Like I'm, tr- I'm trying to get, well, not, not better at reading, but like more <laughs> consistent at reading every day. Yeah, yeah. I'm reading Psycho Cybernetics at the minute, but that's a bit of a drag to be honest compared. But this David Goggins book, it's the first book I've read in like five years. I didn't want to put it down. Right, okay. And I just related to it so much. It was yeah, just, yeah. I think like the whole, the general message from it was like, pushing yourself to like ungodly levels physically mm-hmm. basically translates into every area of life. And like, it's kind of obvious, but I, I yeah, firstly, most people don't do it. And like, secondly, like I, I just lost that part of me. And then I realized with like running, it's like my new thing, I suppose. I still go to the gym and shit, but like, I was like, fucking hell, like I'm actually getting pretty good. And, yeah. and that becomes like addictive. Yeah, 100%, yeah. So now I've like publicly said I'm going to run a sub three marathon this year, which I've never run a marathon, by the way, but I ran a 130 half marathon. It's right. my first attempt. I never, I never even ran that far before. So very nice, very now I'm running like 75k a week. It mate, big, I'm seeing so, it and I'm very impressed. Like, so, I, I was doing running through COVID and you're smashing what I was doing, that's for sure. Yeah, so Imagine. now that's become like a new challenge and I suppose... I don't know. I just think like how you do one thing it kind of translates into other shit as yeah. well, isn't it? So the discipline that goes with it is if you can keep discipline. Again, I go back to represent, not pushing another brand, but you see the owners that are so disciplined with. hundred percent. Waking up, he training. Does, he, does, he trains like a freak. It's it. It's not a coincidence that the brand is absolutely smashing it as a result of the discipline they put into the eating, training, everything else of the way of life. Whereas certain brands you can see the owners going off and loving life a little bit too much and they lose focus yeah, and stuff but, 100%. It, it, but not even just brands businesses in general like mm. 
it's, it, it happens. Yeah, it's definitely more of a mental thing for me. Like, I was in a fucking bad way the past few months. Like, yeah. last year, whatever. And, like, running just... It felt like it fucking, like, helped me fight my fucking demons, to be honest. No, it's, it's good to be... Like dramatic. It's good for people to hear yeah. that, that they can... If they're going through something similar, that running... Because I did the same thing. I was... I played football to a good standard-ish. I was always a sprinter. I couldn't ever run distance. Mm. And then through COVID, I started running a bit further and I was like, I can't do it, can't do it. Started doing it and then I got the runner's high at the mm. end and you're like... It's literally, it's better than cocaine. This is mad. Like, yeah, this is, this is nuts. It's, it's at crazy. the end of a run, you, you finish and you're like, I'm thinking the harder clearly. The better, the harder yeah. as well. You're trying to like, I know you're hitting some silly times, but when I was trying to do like sub four minute kilometers i was like I was yeah gunning for it at the end and you get it and you're like this is mental this is like yeah better than a great day of sales on shopify this yeah, is genuinely this is mega and it's free it's mm. free and it's something that you can control and you can strive for that's just don't eat too many burgers and go for a decent run yeah honestly day. like rainbow dust not drinking i only drink on like thursdays <laughs> and fucking running is a lethal combination yeah yeah and it's all f- well, other than yeah. the rainbow dust, it's free. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, I think um, you, you mentioned like two years ago you stopped gunning for like that obsession. Like, why two years ago? Like, what happened? I you, think you just get older, or what? I think it was it was partly getting older. I think it was partly like the lifestyle changed. When I lived in London, I I said earlier that I moved down here to try and push the brand on and network mm. and stuff. It didn't necessarily happen. I think I met my, my now wife that was a huge turning point for me in terms of my life and understanding yeah. what actually made me happy and what I wanted from life that now my wife's pregnant and like that sort of situation I find myself in now is makes me 10 times happier than what I thought maybe I wanted when I was chasing three or four nights out in London and mm. which don't get me wrong it was, it was great and I did love it I if I wasn't with my wife now, I probably still love that sort of driving the business on. But I understand now, experiencing all aspects of it, that that is actually what, if I went from X amount of revenue now or profit to double now, would I be any happier than I am with the situation I'm in? I don't think I would be. It'd be slightly more yeah. comfortable with what we could do, but is that the be all and end all? Probably not. I don't think from my perspective that three or four is ever going to be a, unicorn business or brand that it's not going to happen so I'm in the sort of mindset of why pedal 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 to try and get it to not even that close to it when currently the brand is doing is doing well it's good it's got 10 years longevity it's, it sells well we've been in tons of decent stockists we've got a great customer base do we need to keep pushing to get more and more our returning customer base is good our new customer acquisition is good it's in a good spot don't want the brand to die by becoming stagnant but it's doing well and I'm happy with where I'm at so yeah I don't know if I answered that question or not (laughs) or I went off on one it is interesting because my my parents always say this to me like particularly particularly my dad and like more so when I was a bit younger to be fair they're like and I think they were unfair in saying it, but they were like, oh, stop chasing money. And like, I wasn't chasing money. I was fucking selling pink lights online. Like if I was yeah. chasing money, I'd go get a job in the city and sell my soul. You know what I mean? Like that <laughs> yeah, was yeah. one, th- I thought that was ironic in itself, but. No, I got a lot of friends that work in the city and earn a lot more money than you could possibly yeah. earn in a brand that through profit, like again, yeah, like yeah. the revenue thing doesn't mean profit. And exactly. I got friends earning decent money by working in the city that 
Yeah. If you want quick money, that's probably the best way to yeah, get. Yeah, 100%. And then, yeah, they, they would always say to me, like, like, remember what matters in life and shit. And I, it, it's funny because I've definitely got more of a perspective on, like, what matters to me and shit as I've got older and blah, blah, blah. Like, you get these 18-year-olds on Twitter or whatever, you know, fucking, like, just talking about chasing the bag and shit and they've never paid a fucking VAT bill and the fucking, like, HMRC has entered the chat because they haven't got a registered <laughs> business and all this shit. And, like, it's a stereotype, but it's actually accurate and yeah. it's true. And and I was fucking probably that guy when I was a bit younger and, you know, you heavily finance a car that fucking you think will get you girls, but actually just gets you parking tickets but it's still cool yeah but then you like realize that actually that shit leaves you feeling pretty empty and it's like my yeah. fucking dog probably makes me happier than that fucking stupid ferrari did yeah do you have a quick question even though you, i like cars but yeah well you've yeah. had some pretty nice cars in the past quick question for you is we went through many like black fridays for example where you see brands on twitter linkedin or whatever it be mm. like posting what they've done how successful they're doing have you ever got swallowed up by the comparison of shit my brand's not doing oh, what I've 100%. just seen other brands doing because I, I, that was one of my turning points maybe three years ago when we had our best ever Black Friday and I saw a couple of other founders mm. on Instagram posting their Shopify sales and thinking fuck we're 10% 20% 30% off what they've done we've had a bad one but actually we just had our best ever Black Friday but instantly I feel shit because we haven't done what they've posted which could yeah. be fake it could be true but the comparison that comes through, like you said, there's 18 year olds. That's an interesting question because this is what I thought about a lot and have dealt with a lot over the years. And to give context on this, so like, I guess I was like, I've always been fortunate to have a, a good network, particularly from a young age and like lived with guys. I lived with Fred, who runs Sanucci for fucking two and a half years, whatever it was. And like have a lot of mates doing like mad numbers, who a lot of which have been on the pod, but, and Fred won't mind me saying this, but, we fucking spoke about it face to face when all that shit the, the biggest comparison thing for me was I lived with him mm -hmm. so we, when we met we were doing almost identical numbers right and we were for like a while and then 2020 we were both fucking crushing it it was almost identical there was always comparison we'd speak about numbers yeah, yeah. like oh I'm doing a million this month when it was fucking crazy numbers really but like probably the hardest part of when all that shit went tits up I don't know if I spoke about this on the pod is and again, I've said this to him, so he won't mind me saying it. Like, we had the opposite of years. Right. So all my shit went tits up. All his shit went fucking parabolic and X, Y, and Z things happened. Don't know mm -hmm. if I can comment on the pod. Uh, you know, and, and that was like, fuck. So we basically we've had the exact same work routine. Mm -hmm. We've been, I've been working just as hard as you. Yeah, You yeah. know that because we fucking shared the time. But everything's gone tits up for me and everything's gone fucking actually perfect in my eyes for you. So yeah, the, the comparison thing, definitely. And then that was the most direct comparison because I was literally in the fucking room every day with him. Yeah, like, that. And yeah, I, I don't feel that anymore because now I feel like I'm fucking working on shit that I'm way more excited by and you know, whatever. But, and I think broadly speaking, like other people and, and, and it, it's the downside, I guess. It's the one downside of having like successful mates. Yeah. Especially mates that you've known from like the trenches when, but before they were like successful and shit is you fucking compare your numbers to them. Like, loads of them have been on the pod. You know, yeah, Jordan yeah. from Mervé is doing mad numbers. Adam, Crown and Paul, mad numbers. Fucking Ollie and Joe who run Saw with us. Fucking making mad profits in their agency and shit. And, like, I'd definitely rather be, like, the smaller fish in a big pond, so to speak. Yeah. But when you 
when you've intentionally or otherwise put yourself in those circles, which is obviously a net benefit, but like there are elements that's like, fuck, when you're having a bad time, like I was last year, every fucking person in your room is doing better than you. Yeah. I think, like you said there, though, like having your close network of people that are, are doing well is it is good. Like I don't necessarily have a close network of people that are in the e-com space that do well. Mm. My my problem was seeing people that I didn't particularly know that were yeah. posting stuff that I was like, oh shit, I don't... I, at least yours are friends that are giving you the honest. Yeah, I've had that as well. That I was comparing to people that could be bullshitting, could be lying, could be doing better. No than context. Me, that yeah. I found myself getting consumed by that. That when I finally checked myself and was like, it doesn't really matter. Well, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter at all how well someone else is doing. It's you need to become aligned with what actually makes you happy, what successful for you. Complete, someone could be doing 20 million and be unhappy and someone could be doing a million and being really happy mm. you've got to find where you are but you having that network of friends that are all driving you on I think that's brilliant I, I would be great to have that when I moved to London maybe that's one of the reasons why I thought I might move to London to get that network of people that you, you surround yourself with people that are doing similar things to you 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 lift each other up Yeah. that like again go back to the lads that live in the Midlands that Risa Barra, the Able Boys, Tay Rock guys, Lewis Morgan, that they're, they're all best mates and they all seem to be succeeding because they're all lifting each other up in their brands to do better, similar to you and your pals that I didn't necessarily yeah, have Yeah, it's, it's the most common question I get, you know, off the back of this pod is like, how do I network? Yeah. And then I'm like, wait a minute, yeah, I mean, I've got a great network, but it's never been fucking forced. Like everyone yeah. I've ever met that I would consider a good mate or like in my network, whatever. I literally met them fucking getting pissed in some scenario whether that was in Bali like fucking London wherever it is like it's not some networking event where I'm fucking scripted what I'm going to say and talking a load of shit do you know what I mean yeah yeah but I think that's also because I'm just a pretty straightforward character like the way I speak on the pod is, is the way I speak to anyone that I'm, I don't know or do know yeah that's and good I think yeah maybe some people are trying to force it a little bit like I don't know fucking going to events trying to meet people but like ultimately you meet people that are at a similar are interested in similar shit and if you're doing something cool just fucking put yourself out there 100% yeah like go meet someone or like I don't know fucking speak to people on Instagram and meet up in person whatever it is and yeah yeah mate it's, it ends up the opportunities are endless I've seen it on Twitter now like with your new brand like it's it's attracting Twitter's so many crazy. people that, to your brand because it's in a sphere that people are interested in and you're doing a good thing and like the brand's growing like it's I'm seeing it from the outside and thinking people are swarming to it. Like you're seeing your numbers growing every day, whether it be engagements on the tweets or favor. Like I'm, yeah. I'm seeing it from the outside yeah, thinking yeah. it's not for you begging for someone to, it's people are interested in what you're saying, which is fantastic and fair play to you. Yeah. I think it's just sharing all, like real shit in it. Yeah. yeah I, I, don't, I don't have any fucking agenda with that sort of stuff. Whereas I think a lot of people do. Yeah. But, um, Coming back to business end briefly, I, yeah. I, I feel like I, I, I love the philosophical shit. I can go into it so much. So I know you've got a big office warehouse set up. Where is that? Uh, Kings Norton in Birmingham. That's right. where we're based. So how, how does how has the business looked over the past few years? And I guess that like bringing us like kind of fairly up to speed, like past two three years maybe. And you said you got ten people. You do all the all the fulfillment in house. All fulfillment, which I've in-house. never done, and maybe never would. Yeah, but. Um, there's obviously pros to that as well. We were saying off camera, like yeah, how 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 is how's the day to day look? Basically? We we sort of 
maybe got pushed into the situation we're in right now because back in 2018, we were in a 3PL called uh, Cloud Fulfillment that burnt down. So Fucking hell. There, was, there was the two of us at the time, so myself and Sean were both full-time and my best friend at the time. We went to Ibiza for a holiday. He was about to start working for us as our first ever employee mm. in the business. Went to Ibiza for a lad's holiday. First night, got back after the night out. Sean rings me, he's my business partner. Sit down, you need to hear this. Our warehouse is burnt down. Obviously, it's not our warehouse, but it was where all our stock was. We were like 300, 400 grand's worth of stock, which is everything we owned. Burnt to the crisp. We are like, what the f- what, what are you actually meant to do when you've got a brand that's six years old? All your stock's now gone. We owe suppliers a shit ton of money. What, what are you meant to do? Do you just call it a day? Well, obviously on holiday, John's that just... That is the worst time to hear that. Yeah, I mean, you're not on holiday with... Your best mate who's just quit his decent job to come work for you. I've just persuaded him to quit his job and come work for us on a shit wage. The brand's over and he's thinking, fuck, I bet he's thinking, can I ring my old job and take the resignation back? Like, mm. But at the same time, trying to be there for your mate. And I remember thinking, having a conversation with Sean vaguely remember it being like do we just call it a day like is it we owe people hundreds of thousands of pounds for stock that we can't now pay for and orders that we can't fulfill what the hell do we do fast forwarding through the next like six to twelve months which were absolute hell trying to fulfill orders that we didn't have the stock for speak to suppliers that we didn't have stock for this was all when we were manufacturing clothes what happened to that stock that got burned down? Was it, was it like insured by the it was, it was insured by the free PL, but it was insured at like the base cost price that we paid for. That it was, it took I think it was twelve months to pay out, so, and it was paid out in three installments. So we had suppliers that were desperate for money that we didn't have the best payment like yeah. um, deals with these people that you pay thirty percent up front, thirty thirty or whatever it was we'd already paid some money towards this stock that had gone mm. that we weren't then getting paid out for for another 12 months our cash flow was absolutely fucked we were like well, what do we do we're out we've paid for stuff we haven't got we've got orders that we can't fulfill all our stock's gone told our customer base the situation and we're like do we just call it a day what the fuck is this Space Goods, spacegoods.com, Rainbow Dust version one, my newest entrepreneurial econ brand venture. I spent six months in the trenches building this shit from scratch. We launched six weeks ago. What's it all about? The next generation wellness brand with a long-term vision to essentially consumerize the pending psychedelic consumer goods market, which might sound absolutely ridiculous. We're not quite there yet. The market's massively illegal. But what is this? Rainbow Dust version one is an all-in-one mushroom and adaptogenic blend designed to unlock your supernatural self. Essentially, experience a sharper focus, sustained energy, and like calm throughout the day. It's an all-in-one powder. Tastes like fucking hot chocolate. Tastes delicious. Works great. Looks great. Feels amazing. Essentially, the broader concept here was to legally imitate a psychedelic microdose and like I said, experience those symptoms. You can mix it with anything. Brownies, bake brownies with it. Mix it with your coffee. Have it without coffee. Replace your coffee. Put it into a protein shake. It's super fucking versatile. It tastes great. It replaced the stack of supplements I was previously taking but you need to try this shit. It would definitely change the way you work. Get you into that deep workflow. I obviously think that myself, plenty of our thousand plus first customers think the exact same shit. It's not just a pretty packaging, it actually works really fucking well. Keto, vegan, all that good shit. Trust me, you need to try it for yourself. Let's scale the shit to the moon. Spacegoods.com, 
Get on your rainbow to subscription and see how you fucking feel. Let's do it for the boys. Spacegoods.com. Long story short, we were like, to all our suppliers, please support us or we're going bump essentially. Some of them supported us and we said, right, can we start manufacturing blank clothes and we'll just print it in the UK? So instead of manufacturing lad brand tracksuits, polyester mm. panels down it and all these fucking fancy zips like Jim King or whatever, we started making just blank tracksuits, black ones, grey ones, blue ones, and then getting them shipped in and printing them when they got to the UK. And it started to sort of, we went from a brand that was like, say, there to there. It actually kicked us on. That Oh, really? The print-on-demand model, holding stock in bulk, but not having like it, tied up to one skew mm. actually pushed us further on so again like when I've got a black t-shirt on now in the past we'd had to have bought maybe 100 or 300 of this exact design we were buying a thousand plain blank t-shirts on the goodwill of the factories and printing them once we'd sold one so we'd ship them within 48 hours because we had the equipment to do it and we just started to snowball from there and then we obviously got the office in Birmingham I moved back to live with my wife now from London, set up the office, and now the brand is a fully print-on-demand model. So we've oh shit, really? We're completely three circles. So when we first started, we were print-on-demand. Yeah, yeah. Went to a lad brand, went to manufacturing, went to lad brand's a good term. Uh yeah, I say it, but we weren't we weren't a lad brand for a long time. But we yeah we tried it. We went into foot aside and went to ASOS, went to Nordstrom, nearly got in JD in the full circle and then we went back to sort of being what we started now we're back on a print on demand business that's unisex which is where we feel most comfortable and that's where we're we're doing it now so we we hold all our stock in Sheffield blank tracksuits t-shirts everything blank twice a week we ship it into our studio in Birmingham when the orders come in we print them and we ship them out the same day and that's where we're at so the warehouse burning down basically pivoted the business and actually made things go better you reckon because like a silver lining to all that shit 100% yeah like it caused problems in terms of like the actual operations of the business and cash flow and everything that came from it being quite screwed with finances Mm. it caused problems that were still you can still see some problems as a result of that four years ago now that you're still trying to like work through because we owed so much money to people that we'd had stock for and insurance claims that we're probably just getting through it. But the actual brand and how we work, we got kicked forward massively. And we learned how to operate lean as a business now where like the, the only, the brand that I know that works on a similar model to we do is Champion, who yeah. is a fucking massive brand. They do every college piece of clothing in America that you go into a Champion store in the US, everything's blank. They have custom stores all over the world that you just literally walk in you buy a grey hoodie all the logos are there you print what you want and you walk out and you actually pay a slight premium for it because it's you're printing what you want so I've got a couple of hoodies for you and Brad that in the car that I printed today that like they're one one of ones that that where we wanted to give our customers back to how we started that maybe someone else will never have that hoodie because albeit the logos are available on the website you can print it where you want how you want it on what colour and that's the USB and that came from the fire four years ago and we're still doing well for it now that's mad yeah 
That is mad. It's operationally it's tough, but it, it's the USP of the brand essentially. Do you think does that put like a limit on the potential scale, or are you happy where, where it is? Yeah, it 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 can't scale in terms of how we've got a custom build on the website, so you can actually go on the website, pick your hoodie, pick your logo, which there's a scale to that because you'd have to become a fully customizable website like Printful or whatever where yeah, it becomes yeah. a bit shit and you're printing on Gildans or whatever that ours are our own manufactured goods our own bespoke machines that printing the goods is printed by the team it's sent out by the team there is a probably scale to it before it starts getting quite messy but we've scaled through COVID quite well with the same size team and we're pretty happy with where it's at it could probably go a little bit bigger again before we need to mm take the next step but whether we want to take that next step or whether we can take that next step that next step is another question really you mentioned before that like having everything in-house like one place like a good atmosphere good vibe and shit that's something i've often thought about like the whole people building brands online etc like i've had an office in the past funnily enough with adam actually from crown and poor when i was like 22 yeah i've never had an office since I've always been fully remote, which that's like lots of pros to that. But I'm getting to the point now where I think just as like a lifestyle thing, I would definitely like to have an office with people in like longer term, yeah. just for like my fucking like mental health, or like soul. Yeah. Like, even if you can scale to, I don't know, fucking 20 million quid online from a laptop, which by the way, I think you probably could in certain markets and just have a remote team. Yep. At the end of the day, you just sat at a fucking laptop by yourself all day. Even if the digits on the screen are big, it goes back to the number. The screen goes from two million to twenty million, or two thousand to two million. Yeah. I bet you're buzzing with it, but you're not as buzzing as you would be on that run outside because you get yeah. that run as high. Or you're speaking to your mates when you go for a meal at the end of the day, and you're chatting to them. Like three or four now is I've got Sean, who I started the business with, which is my friend from university. I've got my best friend, who was my best man. I was his best man, who's our like first employee. His wife works for us my best friend from school works for us it's not everyone was hired as a specialist marketing uh, director or whatever they were yeah. friends that were hired that that was the reason why we started the brand was because we wanted a a way of life that we played we played ping pong we played ping pong on Wednesday night at the local village because yeah. that's what we started at the office and it might sound cheesy and you think oh a brand's playing ping pong with your mates and stuff but I'd rather do that at our scale than go to 200 million and be a 300 person business where you walk in and not knowing everyone which yeah would be great you'd have your personal relationships outside of work like I'll go back to Gymshark again you've been Francis but I I like our team at being 10 and we do our fulfilment we do everything there's yeah. nothing we don't do in, in house other than a bit of web development which we've got an agency that worked with us in Birmingham that they're like an extension of the business anyway. Yeah, I think, I think this is actually a really interesting discussion point. I've thought, I've thought about it a lot, particularly like the past few months. I've like got older and like I kind of got like a bit sick of just the idea of being able to travel because like did a lot of that when I was younger and like yeah. the whole remote thing means I guess you could fucking go to Australia tomorrow. Yeah, I don't fucking want to anymore. <laughs> like I did when I was twenty-two, but the whole like because I, I like someone asked me the other day like how many people are on your team and I was like. I guess it's well I, I don't, don't really know but like that, that, that was my initial answer but yeah. like there's like agencies and 
and like freelancers and fucking there's no like full time employees yet or whatever but did you have full time employees before on the previous I had like three of them right. but it was fucking terrible timing because it was just before shit went tits up and it was fucking he knows about this that was a, night, <laughs> it was a nightmare but it's like the amount of money I'm even just paying an agency for example like an, an ads agency and they yeah. are a good ad, ads agency so I could probably get fucking two full time people in an office I could actually speak to yeah, and have like yeah. a personal relationship with and maybe go running with do you know what I mean yeah yeah no, so it's like there's a fine line between outsourcing everything and keeping it like remote it's not even leaner necessarily like obviously an office cost whatever but like the people cost is like the same yeah arguably more working with like certain agencies but then like a line between that and actually how am I spending my time yeah because like I've spent the past like fucking three four years working granted in like a nice London flat with a mate but like I'm still just fucking working at home and like obviously during COVID that was perfect because that was all, I, all I'd ever known mm-hmm. anyway but it's like fuck I ain't doing this on 35 do you know what I mean yeah, yeah like no way yeah 100%, so, 100% agree with you yeah I, I, would, I definitely would like to obviously like it needs to make sense in terms of like space and like financials and shit because I'd like to have an office in like Fitzrovia in yeah, London yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's like the perfect spot be like 20 grand a month for a small room but we'll work it out but it depends if, if that 20,000 pounds a month actually doesn't always need to bring you an ROI on it as long yeah. as that brings you as a, a founder and the, the sharp end of the business makes you more I don't know energised it brings your relationships with your team stronger then it's worth the money like we our warehouse now is we've probably outgrown it but we, we're not moving because we're like well we're all in the same it's a, it's one big room Brad's been there it's yeah if we I, move I've to definitely a, seen pictures if we, if we move videos. to a bigger place and we split everyone up like even I like when John and stuff we sit in the warehouse so like like I said before I moaned about it it's a little bit loud you can't have private meetings but at the same time you're in the same room as everyone someone's doing customer service someone's printing the clothes it feels like a family and that's what we want for the brand so yeah what you want from your brand and your office if you have to pay over the odds for it as long as it's bringing you what you want that yeah. makes your business succeed I'd like to have yeah. polished concrete floors yeah. in a podcast studio yeah yeah it'd be nice. like Scandinavian style Nordic furniture like why proper, not proper like low deep shallow sofas and shit <laughs> I have this whole vision but manifest it yeah it's just it's funny because I, I used to think fuck having an office when I was like younger I was like I want to be on the beach in Bali or some bollocks but you can't do any work on a beach in Bali. Whereas now, my mindset has completely shifted. I'd rather be like, you know, I'm fucking working for these two months and then yeah. have a holiday. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like. It's, it's so interesting though, because like, that whole culture of like nomad, it's kind of sprouted in like the past five, six years or whatever. But I don't fucking, I don't want to work in Bali on a beach. I've I'd never, rather just I've, go on a holiday. Yeah, I've never done it. I've never, I went away on a holiday last week with my wife. And I went away on holiday to go on holiday. Like we could go away, both yeah. us are self, well, technically self-employed that we could go away and work, but I'd actually rather go away on holiday and just chill out. Yeah, I actually back. agree now. My, my view on that's completely changed. Again, as I've just got a bit older, I yeah. don't know what it is, but. Maybe it is just getting older. Like you're not old, but getting older, like you. Yeah, just perspective shifts. Perspectives, yeah, 100%. Where do you want to take the business then? Because, I mean, there's probably so many fucking things we, we could have gone into or could still go into over 10 years, but it sounds like you've got to a point now where 
well correct me if I'm wrong you enjoy what you're doing it's at a level that you like that fits you as a founder yeah you've got a good setup with people around you and shit which I think is probably fucking what 99% of society would love like is there like certain levels you want to take it to like I don't know potentially an exit plan like an, an end goal with it or yeah. are you really just playing it by I think by a, there's a there's probably a couple of bits that I, I think eventually I could probably see my life without 304 without being defined by oh David made 304 10 years ago he's always associated with it but at the same time when we started it it was all about like going back to like that original beginning where all our friends came to the apartment I would love to have a period of the brand where we had whether it's permanent stores or pop-up stores or tours where like again represent you sample sales we tried to do it just before covid hit where we did it at our office where our customers came printing their own clothes back to like the champion stores where they're fully customizable mm. i would like to have a period of the brand where we could actually do that where we could go out on the road and have our customers come meet us and print their own clothes with us that's probably what i would like to do before either the brand ends i exit the brand or whatever happens with it but i wouldn't feel comfortable the brand finishing or me exiting before we've had that opportunity to do how it sort of started because we've we've nearly done a three uh, 360 but i think that would need to happen before i was fully finished with it if you know what i mean but i'm happy with where it's at now like the way of life i'm pretty content with it it'd be great if it grew a little bit but i, w I don't think it needs to go in that much bigger we, we do we've been in loads of stockists it's done well some stockists it's not done well online's done well then it's gone down then it's gone back up again we've been through so many things that have gone well and gone bad mm. I'm at the period now where I'm not really sure what would be a surprise to us like we've had the ups we've had the downs we've had yeah. stockists promise millions we've had stockists deliver millions then we've had I'm not sure what else is yet to come we've had fires in the warehouse we've had offices break in we've had everything you could think of that I'm actually at the point now where let's just enjoy the process what happens in the next five years or ten years we'll see do you ever think about other businesses that you want to go in or other brands that you want to start um, or do you think you're kind of done with that startup trenches stage and you want to just like you say enjoy the process more yeah I think from a personal perspective I don't think I'd, I'd want to go back into the trenches and start a brand like you have I don't know how you've got the energy to do four or five times I would like to maybe work with brands that are, are doing it and try and help them and, and sort of nurture and sort of work on a creative basis with them because there's certain things you can't do with certain brands like I'm sure you've had it before you've done a jewellery brand and then a mushroom brand that there's certain creative things you can't do with certain brands that you have an idea and think oh, it's not fit for clothes or yeah. it's not fit for space or it's not fit for this that maybe I'm only 33 probably got hopefully maybe 20-30 years more left in working in a career that I'd like to work with other stuff but I've not had that opportunity yet so maybe maybe not we'll see have you had like exit offers before you know situations where you, you could sell the business and so on I, I, I feel like for me and this is another interesting one I, I've always thought that's like the fucking Champions League of entrepreneurship yeah. sell, sell any business yeah we've we've had conversations with people that have, have expressed interest in buying the brand or 
buying equity in the brand and stuff and we've spoke to people about it but at the moment I don't think necessarily what we'd get reflects what we feel like we've maybe put in for 10 years so maybe there is more work to do with it would be two years five years to actually get the brand to be worth what we myself and Sean and everyone else that's involved in it would reflect that it's actually worth what we've put into it so right now we wouldn't sell yeah but maybe in the future or I don't know maybe in the future we just the brand will run for forever we don't know three or four could evolve into something else if over the 10 years like I said it was a unisex vest brand then it was a lad brand then it was mainly wholesale then it was direct to consume and mm. now it's back to print on demand a lot of brands do fall off after maybe two or three years especially in clothing yes yeah, do see it a lot we're at 10 years now we're not saying we're a heritage brand by any means but 10 years is a long time for the yeah, brand to still be there's a, there's a few brands that started at a similar time that are still going whether it be like Hype yeah. Represent Misguided aren't really a brand as such they're a retailer but there's not many brands that started at the start of Instagram that are still going now. Very true. They're probably bigger than us. There's a lot of brands that have gone, our, our sort of 10 years has been quite a slow gain, but there's brands that are maybe more of a and Six Silk, Jim King that have shot past us. But it's not to say that they might not be in 10 years, they might exit or they might, the brand like shelf life might not be as long. Who knows? But we've had a slow rise for 10 years that, used to say that it can't go for another 20 and be a super dry that just it's just yeah, always very there yeah very true very true brands like that have been around forever forever what do you think has been the, the hardest thing in the past 10 years like entrepreneurially not necessarily like a specific event but like just the hardest you know challenge you've had to deal with because there's obviously fucking loads particularly in a 10 year period the hardest thing over 10 years is probably staying motivated I'd imagine like that again I don't know whether you've been in a similar situation where there comes a period where like in anything I guarantee in six months time you'll probably be like I can't keep pushing the runs I can't keep pushing the gym that you have a slight dip off like anything in life whether it be football team or business that over 10 years there's been so many periods where myself my business partner and, and even John that probably thought I haven't got much left in me here to keep pushing to keep growing and that constant cycle of trying to like re-energise yourself to go again is tough mentally like to keep going probably I'd probably say that to be honest if you're just making sure you're continuously 10 years is a long time <laughs> fuck yeah it's a long time yeah and then I'd be honest with you like as a if any like new brands are starting understanding data and your cash cash flow if we'd have known those two were so important at the beginning life would have been a lot easier in yeah, the first for sure. couple of years everything makes sense looking back right yeah alright final question I, I mean I, f- I feel like by the way we could fucking there's probably so much we haven't gone into yeah. but you probably wouldn't remember every detail 10 years for a start and <laughs> it's, yeah. it's making me it's like a therapy session it's yeah good. for sure three bits of advice to your I guess for you like 20 year old self or 23 year old self when you started the business knowing what you know now what would they be I've started asking that question it's become a fucking cliche thing that I do on every episode but I think it's fucking interesting because free piece of advice you just don't know until you have been through it try and figure out 
your values and your mission for the brand as early as possible. Don't get sidetracked by like what we did where you get led by what other people say maybe you should be doing because you can go off on a tangent that's not aligned to what your core values are. Like your brand now, you're so buzzing by it because you're, it's, it's what you want to do. Yeah. Understand your data from the get-go because it's, it's free and it will grow your business. And cash flow, just understand it. Whether you have to get advice from someone else that understands cash flow in a business, you can try and grow a brand without sounding like demeaning to people. You can anyone can grow a brand and push it, but it will stop quickly if you don't know where your cash is. Yeah, fucking tell me about very, it. Very, very quick. So very true. That I wish someone had told me in year one have a cash flow planner understand where you're spending your money and your profit and where every penny is spent because it will catch up on you further down the line quickly so true so true bit boring but no it's actually so true like it's I saying this every day to someone else it's it's the boring stuff I guess that fucking there's that saying like drive for show put for dough yeah yeah (laughs) yeah more people anyone could come up with an idea do like the enjoyable front end stuff but it's the fucking back end the boring shit which is what I'm spending most of my fucking time doing right now by the way yeah but if someone taught you that from the get go or you had a business partner that was like in the numbers it yeah. understood it from the beginning you would your your creative yeah, process I think be- you need you just need a bit of experience to, to appreciate that don't you like when I was getting started I didn't fucking think about that but now I think about it way more because yeah. I've got experience of shit going well and bad and I was like, that's that's the number one thing that can end the game. I bet that's why a lot of people's third, fourth, fifth business succeed more than the first because 100%. they actually understand all the things that have gone wrong. Whereas us, we're not letting go of number one. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. still going number one. We won't let it yeah, go. Fucking hell, very true. Right, that was super interest, interesting episode. I feel like we could go into a billion other things as usual, but every episode would be five hours if we did that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I learned a lot about you and your story and fucking life and shit. It's always good getting like an older perspective. Yeah, I think on not certain too things. Old. Not too old, yeah. And <laughs> um, definitely not the oldest guest we've had. Probably close. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you're enjoying the pod, subscribe as usual. Um, I think this is episode 40. We've got 12 more till we get to the coveted one year, 52 weeks point, which is pretty fucking mad. Time is going too quick. Um, drop a comment what you want to see, all that good shit. And we'll see you in the next episode. Cheers for watching. Peace.